to Corkboard Radio. This week's episode is featuring my brand new Mackenzie Clan adventure, The Missing Pocket Watch. I got my idea for this story based on Saran's aunt and uncle who appear in the original fourth Mackenzie Clan adventure. Funny thing is, they don't actually make an appearance in this story. I did do a little research about how to say great-great-grandfather and great-great-grandmother in Italian and took the time to listen to those names being properly pronounced in preparation for this episode. Needless to say, if my accent isn't that great, it's probably because I don't speak Italian. But I do think the language is absolutely beautiful. The Missing Pocket Watch was such a joy to write. Happy listening, everyone! The Missing Pocket Watch, a Mackenzie Clan adventure by Tiffany Pullman. Maxie, are you ready to go? 12-year-old Kylie called up the stairs to her sister. I'm almost ready, Maxie called back. I just have to find my other black shoe. Where did you leave it last? Kylie peeked her head into her five-year-old sister's bedroom after taking the stairs up to the second story two at a time. I thought it was in my closet, Maxie answered, scratching her chin, but it isn't in here anymore. Okay, Kylie knelt down to Maxie's height. Why don't I take a look? Sure, Maxie agreed. Kylie rummaged around in Maxie's closet for three minutes before coming out empty-handed. I think you're right. It's not in here. Have you checked under your bed? Maxie's eyes lit up. Not yet. Maxie emerged from under her bed a moment later, triumphantly holding her lost black shoe. I found it. Great, Kylie grinned. We better get downstairs. It's almost time to leave. Okay. Maxie slipped her black shoe onto her right foot. I'm all ready to go. Kylie reached for Maxie's hand and swung it back and forth as the two of them descended the stairs together. This is going to be so much fun, Maxie giggled. I always like eating at Saran's family's restaurant. Lila's is my favorite Italian restaurant of all time. Kylie laughed. Mine too. Do you think Jace and Carter are ready? Maxie asked once the girls had reached the front door. I don't know, Kylie answered. Jace, where are you? Carter, are you ready to go? Seven-year-old Carter appeared at the living room entrance. You don't have to yell at me. I'm right here. Are you ready to go? Kylie asked. Of course I am, Carter answered. I'm always ready to go to Lila's. Kylie smiled. Good. Get your shoes on. Carter raised his eyebrows at Kylie, but did as she requested. Has anyone seen Jace? Kylie glanced back at the stairs. Nope, Maxie shook her head. He's in his room, Carter hooted, slicking his hair back like one of those guys on a magazine cover. Jace, 14, joined his siblings at the front door. Shaking out his dark brown hair, he smoothed his bangs back with one hand. See, check out Jace's hair, Carter guffawed. Jace narrowed his eyes at Carter. I think we better get outside. Kylie stepped in between her brothers before Jace could react further. Saran said her father was picking us up at 6 and it's already 5.57. Okie dokie, Maxie opened the Mackenzie front door, skipping out into the fading sunlight. Oh look, the sun's already going down. Kylie joined her sister. It's a beautiful sunset, isn't it, Maxie? Yes, it is, Maxie agreed as Jace brushed past the girls, followed by Carter. You should watch where you're going, Kylie called out after them. Jace ignored Kylie, spotting Saran's family's SUV coming up the road. Saran's here. I want to sit in the front seat, 
Carter spouted. You can't sit in the front seat, Kylie said. You're too short and too young. Carter stuck his tongue out at Kylie. Hey, it's not my fault you're only seven years old, Kylie responded. I want to sit beside Saran, Maxie piped up. I'm sitting beside Saran, Jace spoke matter-of-factly. She's got two sides, Jace. I can sit beside her too, Maxie responded. Jace stepped forward to greet Mr. Albertelli through the passenger front window. Hello, Mr. Albertelli. How are you doing tonight? I'm quite all right, thank you, Mr. Albertelli replied. Saran's in the back. She figured Maxie and Carter would like to sit in the middle while Kylie would prefer the front with me. Jace grinned. Sounds good. Sounds like a plan. But I wanted to sit beside Saran, Maxie protested. You can, Jace replied, when we get to the restaurant. But I want to sit beside Saran now, Maxie pouted. Jace opened the back door and hopped inside the SUV, taking the spot beside Saran and leaving the middle seats for the younger two. Come on, Maxie, Carter encouraged. We'll be at Lila's in no time. You can sit beside Saran the whole time at the restaurant. Maxie reluctantly climbed onto a middle seat while Kylie took the front. Mr. Albertelli drove the 10-minute route to Lila's just as the sun set. As everyone entered the traditional Italian restaurant, the aroma filling the air made several stomachs grumble. Oh, the meatballs are calling my name, Carter cried. I want spaghetti, Maxie announced, grabbing Saran's hand. What do you want to eat, Saran? I was thinking of lasagna, Saran answered. Ah, good choice, Jace commended. I think I'll take one of those, too. Not me, Kylie smiled. I want my own personal pizza, Mr. Albertelli chuckled. Saran's aunt and uncle, Zia Mona and Zio Les, have set up the back table for all of you. It's right this way. As Mr. Albertelli led Saran and the Mackenzies toward the back of the restaurant, Kylie admired the many different photographs that lined the red brick walls. There is so much history on these walls, Mr. Albertelli, Kylie commented. Mr. Albertelli smiled. Yes, there is. My family has owned this restaurant since the 1940s when my great-grandfather opened it after the war. He named this restaurant Lila's after the love of his life. Kylie smiled. That's sweet. You should tell them about Thrice Nolno's pocket watch. Saran's eyes sparkled. Who's Thrice Nolno? Maxie asked, copying Saran's accent. Thrice Nolno is my great-great-grandfather, Saran replied. He's the man who opened this restaurant for my great-great-grandmother. Thrice Nolno Lila. Oh, those words sound so Italian, Kylie squealed. Jace rolled his eyes at his sister. What's the pocket? What's the story with the pocket watch? Carter questioned. What is a pocket watch anyway? A pocket watch is a special watch that is attached to a chain. You put it in your pocket instead of wearing it on your wrist, Saran answered. They're circular in shape and most of the time have something special etched into the, onto the inside of their case. Oh, Maxie said with a befuddled look on her face. Here, I'll show you a picture, Saran responded. Saran led the group to a black and white photo of an antique pocket watch. See? Oh! Maxie's eyes lit up. So, what's the story? Carter asked again, peering closely at the photo. Well, Mr. Albertelli cleared his throat, when Trisnona Lila found out that her sweetheart, Trisnona Giovanni, was about to sail for Europe to join the Allies during World War II, Therese Nona Lila had that pocket watch engraved with the words until time begins again, and she gave it to Therese Nona Giovanni to take with him. 
Until time begins again, Carter scoffed. What's that supposed to mean? It means, Saran spoke up, that time would stop for Tris Nonna Lila until Tris Nonna Giovanni came home. Would it really? Carter asked. No, not really, Saran replied. It's a saying, you know, like, my heart will be with you until the end of time, that sort of thing. I don't get it, Carter stated. It's like this, Carter, Saran patiently explained. Tris Nonna Lila was willing to wait for Tris Nonna Giovanni to come home so they could get married. With that pocket watch, she promised Tris Nonna Giovanni that she wouldn't marry someone else while he was away. Carter looked as if he couldn't care less who Tris Nonna Lila decided to marry. The point is, Carter, Saran continued, Tris Nonna Lila kept her promise to Tris Nonna Giovanni. She didn't marry anyone else, and after they got married, Tris Nonna Giovanni bought this restaurant and named it Lila's. What does that have to do with the pocket watch? Carter asked dumbfounded. Saran grinned. Well, one day Tris Nonno Giovanni decided he was going to create a new pasta dish just for Tris Nonna Lila. He put his pocket watch in his pocket like he always did and rolled up his sleeves to work. He worked on his new pasta and pasta sauce for three days straight until he perfected it. When he was ready to serve it to Tris Nonna Lila, he was extremely tired. He just had a beautiful wooden table built for Tris Nonna Lila, and he set that table with her favorite dishes from Italy and some hand-picked wildflowers. But when he sat down to eat with her, he discovered that his pocket watch was missing. He'd lost it sometime during the three days he'd spent cooking. He looked for it everywhere he could think of, but he never found it. In fact, no one has ever found it. Tris Nonna's pocket watch has been missing since 1946. Wow, Maxie's eyes grew wide. I wonder where it could be. Did Tris Nonno stay in the kitchen the whole time he was cooking? Pretty much, Saran smiled. He only left to go to the bathroom. Did anyone look in the bathroom? Carter asked. Yes, but it wasn't in there, Saran answered. So he must have lost it in the kitchen, Kylie surmised. Everyone searched the kitchen for days after it went missing. Every square inch, but it was never found in the kitchen either, Saran remarked. Well, it has to be somewhere, Kylie mused. Pocket watches don't just disappear. Saran grinned. Where do you think it could be, Kylie? Kylie thought for a moment. Did you say that Tris Nonno had a table built for Tris Nonna Lila? Saran smiled. Yes, it's actually the same table we will be eating at tonight. It is, exclaimed Maxie. I want to see it. Saran led everyone to a beautiful 10-foot solid oak table with ornate table legs covered by a rich green tablecloth. The table was set with white china for dinner that night. Oh, that is a very big table, Maxie marveled. I bet it's good for hide and seek. Before anyone caught on to what Maxie was doing, she knelt down and crawled under the table. A moment later, she peeked her head out from under the draped tablecloth and chirped, Yep, it's a pretty good hiding place. Everyone here could fit under this table with me. Kylie shook her head. Maxie, you shouldn't be hiding under that table in your fancy dress. Oh, Maxie looked down at her velvet dress. Why not? Because it's not the proper thing to do, Kylie whispered. Maxie wrinkled up her nose. Why not? It's pretty nice down here. Carter pulled one of the original antique chairs out from the table. I want to see how nice it is. 
to Kylie's horror, Carter joined Maxie under the table in his black slacks and button-down navy shirt. Kylie placed a hand over her eyes in shame. Saran giggled. If I wasn't wearing this dress, I'd climb under there myself. I'd go with you, Chase added. Kylie rolled her eyes. I think that's enough talk about hiding under three snow-nosed table. Come on, Carter, Maxie, it's time for you two to come out from under there. As Maxie and Carter crawled out from under the large oak table, Carter bonked his head loudly. Ouch! he cried, rubbing the top of his head. Kylie just shook her head at her younger brother. Mr. Albertelli, who'd been watching amusedly the entire scene play out, spoke up. If you would all take a seat at three snow-nosed table, I will send someone out to take your orders momentarily. The Mackenzies and Saran grinned at each other, everyone's appetites growing by the second. After everyone placed their desired order, Maxie started squirming in her seat. This chair isn't too comfortable. Maxie, don't be rude, Kylie hissed. I'm not trying to be rude. It's just not too comfortable, Maxie whispered back. Saran laughed. <laughs> You're sitting in Andre's nose chair. I am, Maxie asked. Yes, Saran answered. Three's nose chair was always the most uncomfortable chair that came with this table. No one but Three's Nono has ever liked sitting on it, and I think the only reason why he liked sitting on it was because he used to say that Three's Nono packed it with extra love every time she sat on it during the three days Three's Nono spent creating this special passage dish for her. He would say that Three's Nono packed it with so much love it made it lumpy from that time forward. It really is lumpy, Maxie whispered, and bumpy on one side. Kylie glanced at Maxie's seat curiously. Have these chairs ever been reupholstered? No, answered Saran. Kylie pushed her hand on the bottom cushion of Maxie's seat. It was unusually bunchy for a soft cushion. What do you suppose causes the lumpy spot on this chair? I don't know, Saran shrugged her shoulders. Three Snowno used to say that he didn't want anyone to do anything to his chair. In order to find out why it was so lumpy, he liked it the way it was because it always reminded him of how Three Snowna stuck by his side for three whole days while he continued to work on his special pasta dish until it was perfect. I don't get what that has to do with anything, Carter stated. How do you know so much about your great-grandparents? Jace asked with mild surprise. I've asked my family many questions, Saran answered. Maxie, listening to the conversation going on around her, slipped her hand into the cushion of the chair, trying to make the bumpy spot more comfortable. As she wriggled her fingers between the cushion and the wooden back of the chair, she touched something hard and smooth. Hey! she exclaimed. I feel something! You feel something? Carter repeated. I feel something inside this cushion! Maxie said, I just have to get it. Maxie pressed her fingers as far down into the cushion as she possibly could, but she could not get a good grasp on whatever it was that she could feel inside the cushion. Kylie, can you help me? Your fingers are longer than mine, Maxie requested. I think there's something stuck in there. Kylie, who was seated on Maxie's right, responded, Show me what you're talking about, Maxie. Maxie pulled her fingers free from the cushion. Stick your fingers in there, Kylie. There's something hard in between the cushion and the chair. Kylie slipped her fingers down where Maxie pointed. A second later, she exclaimed, I do feel something. What do you think it is? Carter asked. I don't know, Kylie replied. I'm going to need something to pry it out. I've got a fork in my pocket, Saran offered. Why do you have a fork in your pocket? Chase asked Saran. I never put it away, Saran replied. 
pulling the fork out of her back pocket and handing it to Kylie. As Kylie stuck the fork into the small space and began to fiddle around between the cushion and the chair, something began to shift slightly. It's moving! I can feel it! By this time, everyone had crowded around the chair Maxie had been sitting on. Kylie wiggled that fork this way and that until finally out popped an antique pocket watch. Oh my! exclaimed Saran. It's Trace Nolno's pocket watch! It was hidden inside Trace Nolno's chair this whole time. It must have slipped out of his pocket while he was setting the table, surmised Mr. Albertelli, and fallen in between the cushion and the chair, Jace added. And it's been there every day since, Kylie's eyes were wide. Just think, no one convinced Trace Nono to let them check why the chair was so uncomfortable, Jace remarked. Sir Han grinned, no, they didn't. I guess it takes a little girl to decide a bumpy seat is worth investigating, Mr. Albertelli smiled. A little girl like me, Maxie beamed. You found it, Maxie, Kylie hugged her sister. You found the long-lost pocket watch, Maxie giggled. I wonder if my chair is more comfortable now. Saran had picked up the pocket watch and was examining it as Maxie sat back on her chair once again. Oh, it is more comfortable now, Maxie exclaimed. Saran began to laugh. If Trees no, no only knew. All those times he made himself sit on that lumpy chair just to prove it didn't bother him. She giggled some more. Therese Nono could have had his pocket watch in his pocket the whole time. He kind of missed out by not listening to his friends and family, didn't he? Carter commented thoughtfully. Yeah, Kylie said. This is a good lesson in the importance of listening to others. From now on, I'll think about this pocket watch Whenever someone asks me to stop and listen to what they're saying, Saran said. I'd rather have my pocket watches in my pocket, not in my chair cushions, she giggled. Uh-huh, agreed Carter. Pocket watches and cushions are useless. Everyone laughed as Mr. Albertelli gently took the pocket watch from Saran and examined it. Until time begins again, he read. I still don't get what that means, Carter muttered. Kylie laughed. That's okay, Carter. You don't have to. I think it means that when we're together, we have happy times, Maxie piped up. Jace grasped Saran's hand. I definitely do. Saran blushed as Mr. Albertelli eyed Jace's fingers wrapped around his daughter's. Jace let go of Saran's hand, turning a slight shade darker himself. You know what else makes happy times? Carter cheered. Good food. I'm hungry. Everyone laughed again as Mr. Albertelli left for the kitchen to see how everyone's meals were coming along. Thank you, Maxie, for choosing that chair to sit in tonight, Saran said. Maxie grinned. I only sat in this chair because I wanted to sit next to you. Well, I'm glad you did. You solved the missing pocket watch mystery. That's pretty awesome, Saran high-fived Maxie. Maxie smiled. It was my pleasure. This is Tiffany Pullman, and you've been listening to Corkboard Radio. I'm so happy you tuned in today. The Corkboard Radio podcast features my personal short stories and topic discussions. If you'd like to connect with me on social media, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Tiff's Corkboard, where I will be sharing updates on podcast episodes and posting about anything that inspires me. I will be uploading a new Corkboard Radio episode every third and fourth Friday of the month, so be sure to stay tuned and hit the subscribe button. Until we meet again, here's to shining his light in whatever we do.